You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 144. Welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. My name is Tom Trapp and I am your host, and this is the podcast where we talk about building successful, friendly local game stores. Today, we're talking with Michael Barr, the mind behind the LGS Net Income Newsletter and former owner of Desert Sky Games in Arizona. Michael relatively recently sold DSG to another game store owner, and I say relatively because I've been sitting on this recording for way too long, uh, but we dive into what it takes to build a game store into a sellable asset the processes and systems that you need to have in place to create a business that not only functions without you, but also gives you the opportunity to potentially exit the business profitably and on your own terms. It's an excellent conversation, and if you want more of a backstage pass, look into the operational side of a local game store, I definitely recommend signing up for the LGSNI Substack. I'm a member, and Michael's insights into the crunchy, data-driven aspects of the business are tremendously valuable. You can go to maniversesaga.com forward slash LGSNI to sign up. I'm not affiliated or anything with the newsletter, but I am a big fan, so check it out. Before we jump into the conversation, though, I've also got a fairly big announcement to make as well. As of today, I am officially a co-founding member of the Secondhand Geek Team. I'm coming on as the CMO for Secondhand Geek, and together we are going to build a marketplace that truly supports the local game stores that are the heart of the hobbies we all love. If you haven't heard of Secondhand Geek yet, check out my interview with Alan Blakebro in episode 138 to find out a little bit more about what that's all about. But I am very excited about the future of Secondhand Geek and how it will change the way hobbyists buy and sell online while also giving back and supporting the local game stores that built up those communities of gamers that make everything possible in the first place. 2024 is shaping up to be a very interesting year. Now, let's jump into the conversation with Michael Barr. All right, well, welcome to the Maniverse Podcast. Mr. Barr, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you, Tom, so much for inviting me to be on. I'm, I'm very delighted to be here. So, what's new in your world? What's happened <laughs> recently? You know, it's been same old, same old, or what's changed? I am suddenly unemployed. <laughs> but, no, <laughs> I guess not technically so. Uh, so uh, I've been running a game store for the past 12 years, almost 12. It's uh, it, as of March, it will be. And in December, we completed a sale of the entire store, lock, stock and barrel. Uh, and now uh, my primary duties for the company is it's still a business entity, a container, if you will. And there are some things that have to be done for it. Taxes got to be filed. People got to be paid, that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, some of the sale, which I'll get into, was deferred payments. So I'll be you know, collecting that and administering it. But mostly I am taking a company and just kind of uh, letting it uh, go dormant for who knows how long. And, uh, and then at, at uh, some point, um, I'm going to take a break now that I sold my store. And, you know, every game store owner knows the notion of having just like an amazing vacation is just is something that just kind of gets on us. And we really, really, really want it and need it. And so I'm going to do that this month, basically, and watch a lot of football and uh, spend time with my wife and kids. And then uh, I'll go do something else. I, there's a bunch of opportunities. I got people. Uh, that's actually part of what led me to sell the store. So I should probably talk about that a little bit. 
Oh, there's no background. Okay, so uh, my yeah, yeah let's, uh, let's go yeah, back to the beginning. So let's start. Yeah, the yeah. Let's, <laughs> because uh, if, part if of what somebody doesn't know who you store, are. Yeah, well, part of what got me to tell the store is we started having people contacting myself and the other owners with these, you know, opportunities for other work where they're like, hey, we see you've done well with your store. Will you come work for us? We're like, oh, you know, it's starting to look like maybe it's time. But here's what we, so my name is Michael Barr. I'm uh, I'm uh, in my 40s, the late type of 40s. And uh, I live in uh, now Scottsdale, Arizona. This, this is... Uh, uh, I'm here temporarily uh, because my house in, in Tempe flooded, but uh, once uh, I'll be in the, the Phoenix area for the foreseeable. Um, so in 2000, uh, I should I should back it up even further than that. So I've been like a magic judge. I would I did that in the in the 90s. I became a level two judge in 97, level three in 99. Uh, so around 1998, I opened my first game store, and it and it lasted almost six months like it was it was so amazing and i just i learned everything to do wrong and it was called the wizard's tower gaming center which is a both an awesome and a terrible terrible name like so flavorful and evocative and just awful for every professional purpose you like <laughs> and including the word gaming which is that's a tell uh, uh not to get too far off topic but uh gaming to the public means gambling and that's that's yeah. what the word means. And so whenever I see a store open up and they, instead of saying games or comics or hobbies or whatever, they use gaming. I'm like, oh, what are you doing to yourself, man? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing to yourself? But uh, so I opened my store, didn't work out. Uh, went in on some partners on another store in 99, lasted a few years, happy guy. Uh, after that, I'm like, okay, I went to law school, uh, graduated Arizona State University. Um, I'm a sun devil for life, love my devils. and. Uh, uh, went to work for the state government as an analyst doing legal analysis, healthcare administration, and that sort of thing. And around 2011, um, there were only about a dozen game stores in the entire Phoenix metro. And people don't believe that now because there's there's something like 100 places in town that you could play a sanctioned tournament today. There's there's something like 60 where you can play a pre-release. It's, it's an absurd number. Uh, but it's it's a city of a metro. It's a metro of five million people. So it makes a certain amount of sense that that there's that many stores. We're talking about a time when there was just there were there were like a dozen. And then one day in 2011, four of them closed without warning. The four branches of Atomic Comics, which if you ever saw the movie Kick Ass, that was the their branding. They got into that movie, and uh, with also big respect to Mike Malv, the owner, he got it back from the dead about a year and a half ago. So Atomic, they've they've got some other name uh, now. Uh, I think uh, Fantastic Adventures or something, but uh, but they're going. So Atomic Comics closed, and and me and some of the guys looked around. You know, we've been just playing games at this point. We don't. None of us are running stores. None of us are in the business. And we're like, you know, there are uh, whole suburbs with a quarter of a million people living in them, and there's no game store, actually zero, no place to play Magic, no place to play Pokemon, which wasn't as big of a deal at the time. Board games were just starting to blow up at the beginning of the 20 teens. The board game market now, it's it's so huge, and people forget that, like... Uh, yeah, we had like Catan in the in the you know you know the, the day of, but there would not there wasn't nearly as much, right? So we're like, okay, this is blowing up. Chandler and Gilbert between them have half a million people, no game store. Let's let's go ahead and open a store. And uh, we uh, by committee named it Desert Sky Games because the the term Desert Sky has like local significance. It was the name of an old mall and an old stadium and a, an old part of town and stuff, kind of like Black Diamond does for Gary Ray in uh, in Northern California. Uh, Desert Sky was our version of Black Diamond, right? And um, 
the original ownership group was 11 people and <laughs> as yeah right 11 investors and as you might uh, imagine, it absolutely fractured apart and there was some acrimony there and uh, led to some other stores because there were some of the partners who thought they could do it better by themselves. And uh, that that it happens in this business. But uh, we came in with about 100 grand, uh, about half cash and half inventory, supplies, our collections, our equipment, our computers, whatever. Now, these days, that's not that's not enough. That's that's not going to not going to you can't run a real store on that. Um back then it was considered more than most stores were bringing in <laughs> and we thought oh man we're capitalization we're right strong so, yeah uh, yeah so uh we uh opened the first location in gilbert arizona which is uh, a suburb well way southeast of phoenix um and uh, gilbert and chandler kind of uh sit next to each other and uh chandler is where i was living at the time and where the store ended up being at uh once we moved and um let me think. It says, yeah, August 2012 was the open. And so now I was still working for the state. I was still doing, you know, legal analysis all day. I wasn't actually supposed to run the store. Uh, we had our general manager, uh, Mike Gerard, who had spent years with Upper Deck and Decipher and all these other major publishers and who was an expert designer. And he was going to be running the show. And uh, in fact, as the face of the franchise, he was great because he was popular and he got rapport with the players. And uh, that that was actually, I think, the dynamic when it was just Gerard and I running in the early days was pretty healthy. Um, the problem that you have is when you have an ownership group of 11 people, uh, you start having factions and infighting and so forth. And uh, one of the factions uh, kind of strong-armed me to 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 push Gerard out. I felt bad about it at the time. I think to this day, that was a mistake. Um, he just went and he founded his own store and, uh, he did that for a few years and then went to work for a competitor. So he's, he's well situated now. Um, and, uh, then that, that, uh, the, the guy behind the strong arming, uh, was Patrick and Suzanne hug. So they finally broke from us in 2016, telling me I'd be bankrupt within a year and that they were going to leave the industry. And then they didn't leave the industry. They opened Authoria games in Tempe, which is where uh, it was in Mesa at the time, which I, I know you've seen that you've had on your yes. podcast as well. So, but I uh, actually watched those interviews and that uh, Brendan guy seems pretty smart. He's got his head on straight. So I think yeah, I'm a fan I, of that I like guy. Brandon a lot. He's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a pretty wise man. But uh, so, so yeah, so I, I am though happy to report to the, the owners of Authoria that uh, no, in fact, uh, instead of going bankrupt, I went, it lasted seven more years and then sold. <laughs> so it ended up working out. Yeah, quite the but, opposite uh, of going bankrupt, actually. Yeah, like, like, uh, <laughs> well, leave the analysis to the analyst, uh, okay, right? Like, I'd, I'd like to, but you know, in all honesty, though, they've got their own niche, they've got their own audience, and it just it didn't really matter for, for my store moving forward. So, as soon as they were out, it was just me and the remaining owners who were kind of in, I, I would say, in my camp, but I was, it was my responsibility to kind of run the business for everybody, you know, I, I was supposed to be the uh, the uh, uh, back office, you know, cut the checks, do the finance, do the analysis, do the stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm the only one available to actually run the store also. And and uh, and then we have our employees. And that's not my skill set. And it's never been my skill set. And my employees will tell you, 
any of them that you ask that I try, but that they've definitely had better managers in their <laughs> in their careers than me. But uh, the the reality was, it I kind of knew the fundamentals, uh, some of which I've talked about on on the blog, and some of which uh, you know we'll go over a little bit today and stuff, and just kind of tried to keep shuffling on and surviving. Um, and then uh, we made it a few more years, upgraded to a much bigger. Uh, much bigger location in Chandler's, well over 6,000 square feet. It was enormous. Uh, uh, we acquired another store from Tempe as part of that and just kind of combined it all into one giant store. And then the pandemic just completely caught us. Uh, like we knew it was coming too, and we couldn't slow down fast enough. It was kind of like everybody, like, oh my goodness, how am I going to uh, have this gigantic store with all these empty tables and no one's even allowed to come in? And nobody can and nobody can play and shopping is impaired and so forth. Um, we were uh, very tense time. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, like thankfully I had by that point we had a giant pile of inventory and we just kind of leaned on it and just okay, you know, we got to sell what we got to sell. The money ain't coming in as good as it should, but you know, but we we can uh, we can survive this. And then uh, you know they say that uh, you're not supposed to make policy based on black swan events. Well, we we made policy based on black swan events. We uh, we decided we never wanted to be vulnerable to that again, so we started planning with the uh, yeah planning with the um, uh, landlord. Let's go to a smaller location within the plaza. He had a bunch of openings. He was happy. He was good to do it. And then we had a fire, and we had to do it anyway. <laughs> and it was really it was the craziest thing because uh, we were talking about he. He's all, oh, I've already found who's going to replace you in the big suite and so forth. And, uh, you know, we've got your opening. And I says, so how about that thing we were going to do next year if we just do it right now? <laughs> and uh, and they let us do it with amazing numbers. And it was awesome. And uh, that in the post-pandemic era, uh, I think the location we ended up with, same plaza, same place, was just a little bit too small. But it was closer to correct for the new way moving forward. Uh, mm -hmm. For the model we had, which was heavy on collectibles, I was heavy on video games at the time, heavy on cards, stuff like that, uh, heavy as a uh, transaction destination, not too worried about how many people get to play. We've got our tables. If they fill, they fill. If they don't, they don't. Whereas with the big location, man, if I'm not filling that place up, something's really wrong. And yeah. uh, and now I uh, the, the model for what works in our industry just kind of evolved that entire time because by now we're in like 2022. And used to be, um, you know, you could go kind of big and it was pretty good and still be kind of a generalized store. And you can do that in some context. But now if you're going to scale up, you better be scaling way up like you. You better be a behemoth because that's what makes the big model work now is having so much volume and so much gravity that nobody can possibly stand and compete against you or whatever. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself again. Um no, we got okay. to 2023. Yeah, like so the so there was some crypto money. Everybody did okay. We did okay too. Got into 2023. We're like, okay, so you know, there's no we can make it to the end of the lease. It would have been 2025. Um, we don't really have to do anything special at this point. The store is is in its correct final form. And uh and then we started seeing what happened earlier this year was everything tightening up and the demand got softer and the card releases like especially pokemon started kind of uh, uh going going low demand and just slowing down and uh the other mics and i because by now all the all the remaining owners were mics 
<laughs> we call our yeah we call ourselves the council of mics we literally that's that's our group <laughs> chat and that's our yeah and uh we're doing like a celebratory steak dinner tomorrow night to celebrate the sale of the store we put it off till now so the council of mics could but uh we said you know let's start planning to finish up at end of lease let's start let's start planning to get to to not continue this way we've got all our stuff we can start selling it off we can make a bunch of money and then we can just ride off into the sunset and then as we got into the fall we're just like man we should just try to see if we could sell right now <laughs> you know we just we're, we were like if we can do this at end of lease there's no reason we can't do it right now if we can find a buyer and uh, we reached out to a few different uh, parties and the, the party that was serious right away. And that I, I have to assume, because I don't know what he was thinking. Oh, we sold the store to uh, Dustin Ochoa, uh, Amazing Discoveries, uh, which has uh, now five locations in Arizona so far. They had four and then acquired ours. And um, I think uh, we, us selling fit into his plans. And, you know, he, he's he's very uh, reserved. He keeps keeps his cards close. So I have to use my kind of analyst hat. And I think that he was looking for a new opportunity to expand and that we were well situated for that. So it was one of those things which uh, your chocolate and my peanut butter and, you know, and it worked out OK. Um, and so, uh, it, you know, it actually once we finally decided to do it, it was fast. I reached out to him in the summertime. Uh, I said, hey, you know, if we were if we were thinking of selling, would you have any interest he said, well, it depends on, you know, what the value is. And uh, I told him, of course, what do you need the Yeah. I said, well, what do you need the value to be? I said, because right now, you know, we've got commitments throughout the fall, so we can't sell right this second. But I can either keep piling stuff on the hoard or I can start selling it down. And he said, oh, sell it down. He said, everything is, you know, everything is uh, is uh, not great to hold right now. So go ahead and uh, and uh, make yourselves, you know, a little less expensive and then we'll talk. And he was right, by the way, to do that. That was absolutely the correct play um, because holding on to stuff right now doesn't work. Like, it, and that, I come from that as a collectibles person where the whole point of the, of the business is to hold on to it longer than anybody else can hold on to it, right? Yeah, the, the paradox of the collectible store is that it's almost more important to have it than to sell it, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense from the outside, but from a person running it, it makes perfect sense, right? And then, uh, so yeah, so uh, we started just just absolutely uh, putting stuff in the blender on eBay and everywhere else and just running sales and doing whatever, whatever we could do to get that number down before giving him uh the 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 uh, inventory sheets and the non-inventory asset sheets and then at that point we lock it down no more sales no messing around just quiet operations while we make the deal and he liked what he saw he he wanted a deal that was shaped a specific way and he said uh, hey you know if you make it shaped like this i can give you this much money and we were like hey i like that much money that much money is a good that's a good a much of money <laughs> and uh, so yeah, over the course of maybe 48 hours, like we, we got together, I got together with the mics, we met on it. Uh, we really argued with each other, just kind of forcing ourselves to do the diligence and make sure we weren't being idiots, you know, uh, taking uh, an offer like this to comprehensively buy us out. Like we were literally handing over keys. I mean, at that point, we weren't keeping play decks or anything. We weren't keeping, you know, mementos. All of our personal stuff was already taken home. It, it was literally almost as complete of a sale as, as you could think of. And, uh, you know, there was no debt to cover at that point. We could just, we could just, you know, bank it. And uh, we all agreed that it was good to go. 
And then the close was about a week and a half after that. And then that was it. And uh, got to tell our staff and they were, uh, they were very confused at first, like you're doing what? But uh, the uh, um, uh, Dusty and his team and, and Amazing Discoveries was was very happy to keep them on board. Uh, they they came and visited. They all hit it off. They all like I was very pleased to see that. I kind of suspected they might. You know, that's that's what you have employees for is to be, you know, to be friendly with people and to to get along. And so uh, they are there still. They're to continuing to operate uh, and uh, made it through the end of the year and so forth. And now I'm in the wind down stage i just like just closed out all the rest of our sales tax uh, before going on the record with you so it's all these various administrative <laughs> whatever but uh but man tom i gotta tell you like i'm free <laughs> i'm free i i, Let's be I nice do food. not yeah like not 100 i mean i got I, you know i got a family and responsibilities and stuff but uh but just not having to worry about what the store is going to do tomorrow is pretty wonderful. Even though I think we did pretty good, but at the same time, just having that weight lifted is 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 pretty huge. Yeah, there's a season of life for everything, right? You're in the you're in the growth phase, at the beginning, and you're building something really cool, and eventually you're like, "This is great." Don't want to jump the shark and watch it decline over time, or just want it to mm, yeah. It you and then then it's time for something new, and that's. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you make a very good point there of not wanting to watch it decline. And that's that definitely kind of was in my mind of um, we uh, there was a movie about 10, 12 years ago called Margin Call. And the, the strategy in Margin Call was uh, if you want to make a living in this business, you got to be first or be smartest or cheat. And we won't cheat. And we think we are pretty smart, but we can't be sure we're the smartest. So we want to make sure we're first. And so when it came time to do things like selling the entire video game category, every every last bit of it, that was back in April of 23. And we just, uh, it's not dead. It's still good. Like you can still make money doing that. But we started to kind of really see the the clarity on the horizon of where that category was going. And we decided we were we were going to be first-ish or, you know, we were going to get out now get our money, cash it out when it's a known quantity and uh, sold it all to uh, to another store that has a chain on the West Coast. They've announced it publicly now, so I guess I can say it. It was a, a Pink Gorilla Games out of uh, Seattle. Uh, they bought it all for their Las Vegas convention, uh, convention store. And uh, so I was very happy to deal with them. They were awesome, pop to bottom. What an organization. I, I should say that about Amazing Discoveries too. I can't say enough how impressed I was with how these organizations dealt with us especially after some of the organizations that we kind of tried to make deals with and missed where it seemed pretty obvious that just, and we're not going to talk negatively about them. It's just like, I don't think they had it together. I don't think they were, they were ready to, to, to really do business uh, with what we were trying to do. But uh, yeah, uh, maybe discoveries and pink gorilla can't, can't say that can't say no good things about, about both. And, uh, and so like when it came to uh, magic cards, Oh my God, you know, like magic's going to get played for 50 years if they never print another card. Like it's, it's, that's the kind of thing that, it's it's yeah. a perpetual yeah like it's yeah it's not going anywhere the market will change though it will it'll become very different and uh, i decided that uh we'd gone about as far as we could with the market the way it was and we were ready to kind of step off and and let the next stage happen with uh with us observing and playing and not so much uh you know running the show yeah and i think there's something to be said about the way that they approached you <clears throat> And the fact that they can do it in a professional way, mm. <laughs> excuse me, is 
Yeah. Uh, I think it's a corollary to you being able to sell it in a professional way. Like I think you need both sides of the part or both parties have to have that ability to come to the table with their, I try not to swear, but with their, you know, their operations lined up properly. Right. So obviously they had, they had the right stuff to be able to make a deal and, and deal with you correctly and make it fair for yeah. everybody. And, and like you said, they, they're taking care of the team, which I like, I love to hear that. that oh yeah. Just, oh yeah. I was thrilled for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's always nice when a, you know, a boss, an entrepreneur takes care of the people who are working for them after they're gone. That's because that's not yeah. always the case. And that's really unfortunate. But and we gave them a, we get, we gave our, our, our uh, employees a bit of a green Christmas on the way out too. If, if you follow me uh, just to, in, in, you know, in gratitude for, for how hard they work too, which, and they really do. They, they, uh, uh, and, and that was like uh, uh, the organization, amazing discoveries, had the kind of like they've done this so many times that they've been through the most difficult acquisitions so to be part of an acquisition where the seller you know kind of knew what we were doing i'm uh, i am i am told it was a bit of a relief for them uh Ooh. without you know without burning anybody i'm talking to through the grapevine about that sure, but yeah. Uh, yeah that they were there they were happy because they yeah uh, uh dusty's been doing this since uh the mid-2000s i want to say uh there was a time when he was running his store and sleeping in the back room like i got a ton of respect for how he built it up from the ground that way that's that that's that's uh that's getting it done with the resources you got no excuses right that's uh mm -hmm. what is that that's like the origin story right <laughs> and uh so he's had to go buy stores out where there was wolves circling the door, right? I mean, there's like, there's a landlord waiting with a padlock and he's got to make a deal based on something that might crumble to dust, uh, you know, 20 minutes later. And so with us, uh, he was a little concerned at first, like, hey, what, I mean, what's your situation really? And we had to kind of really assure him like, no, no, we're, we're fine. We're, we're going to give you, you know, counts of everything we've got. We track everything in a business that's essential. And uh, we're going to promise that it's going to be, you know, essentially identical to what you get. You know, we're still open. So we're selling a few things, but, you know, and there's some stuff coming into and and uh, it's going to be, you're going to get what we, what we've promised. And uh, once he kind of saw for himself that that was going to be true, it worked out. Okay. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a, like I said, he's had experiences that might've been a little bit more difficult. I'm sure lots of businesses, lots of game stores are run that way where, you know, they don't really have all of that stuff in place before approaching yeah. somebody to buy their, buy their store. And I, I would imagine that there's probably uh, quite a few instances of when you were that kind of person, you've got the businesses, you're known for being able to go out and buy, you know, just buy out another store. That's, that's an impressive place to be. It is. It is. Definitely shot, is yeah. Yeah, but to be in that position, you probably get a lot of people who are like, "Can you come save me?" Right? Like, I yes. Most people do not choose to sell unless it's like for you know a uh, like I said, a lot of pressure involved. Um, yeah, yeah, they're looking to escape with their lives, right? And it's yeah. uh, they're looking to you know, and and uh, if you're buying that, I mean, it's there's no time for promises. There's no time for for good yeah. feelings. And um, I've been to the auctions where they where the landlord is auctioning off the remnants of the store and all the other store owners are there trying to kind of pick the carcass and huh, it's a bloodbath. And uh, I remember being there as the buyer thinking to myself, Oh my God, let us never get stuck on the receiving end of this situation because what can, what can you do? You can only, you, you know, you can only get like bottom of the market for whatever you've got. That's, that's all that's yeah. left. Right. And, uh, but the, the important to be able, you were talking about like, hey, how do you get get the store ready to sell? And it it was um it was a, a pretty lengthy process, but 
the 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 part that counted the most was once we were kind of committed that like hey we're gonna sell to somebody it might be dusty there was a couple other parties we were talking to um we have to count everything we have to make sure exactly where all of our assets are where all of our money is where uh you know we have to know hey when do our contracts end uh with uh, like our cable per internet provider or with our you know what is our landlord going to do when we try to have somebody assume the lease or replace the lease and it turns like for all the worrying our landlord like a hundred percent played ball with us that's the right. whole way it like yeah like i didn't need to worry about it, but like that's the best situation right is that you worry about every possibility and it turns out it, you're okay anyway right yeah um and uh, so yeah it, best landlord i ever had in all the years i did any kind of business like i couldn't believe how great it was to try to, to rent in the mcray plaza where we were i just i can't say enough good things about that organization but um yeah just it uh you have to you got to be selling something a lot of people oh yeah i've got a business and there's people coming in and you can make money and there's there's some profit in it well, 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 it's that. that that's that's you know that's a that's a whole lot of wishful thinking and uh, you know put that in one hand and, and what do you got right that as as the saying goes. Uh, so I, I wanted to sell something that was basically as rugged and like tangible as possible. Like, hey, look, you know, yes, there's a value to an ongoing business. And I know you're buying it because of that, but. I'm going to substantiate what I'm asking for by saying, look, look at the stuff, look at the stuff we've got. This is what we're selling you and you can do stuff with it. And uh, that ended up working out. Yeah. And like it, with most stores, the, the value of their business is the value of their inventory. Like mm -hmm. that, that's way every, pretty much every business starts out that way because you, you haven't built any of the systems or any of the, mm -hmm. you know, the processes into the store to make it like an asset. It's more of just, you have the stuff. Yeah. And like you might, you know, you might have some goodwill or you might have some community who knows who you are, but yeah, that's not really worth anything unless it's, you know, so well established and documented in some way, right? Yes, so it yes. makes me wonder like how much of the like lead up the last few years, obviously tons of transition, tons of transformation, mm -hmm. how much was building those processes and like, like creating the documentation. I imagine you're an analyst, so I'm sure you've got a million spreadsheets. <laughs> Oh yeah, just because we got to keep. Uh, I I excel almost everything. I keep. Uh, I digitize everything. One of the things I kept, uh, and I preached a little bit of this in the blog too, uh, is is just for, for goodness' sake, save everything digitally. I know the cloud is just someone else's computer, but seriously, you got to <laughs> save it. You got to have it all because uh, you've. Uh, if you can't, you can't improve what you can't measure and you can't measure what you can't count and like so it, it comes down to like uh that was one of the things that even when i had you know uh partners that were at odds with us and they were departing and so forth they knew after the fact that that we were going to be able to you know uh keep going based on how should i put this i'm not sure I, like i kind of tangled my phrasing here but anyway uh, we got a reputation for being the ones who always tracked everything our store credit was gold you were never going to lose any of it our our inventory was known you, we were never going to you know if we were never going to lose track of anything that you that you uh that you wanted to get that we said we would have for you and uh, you know that that was i really kind of banked um on making the integrity play uh you know toward especially Toward the end, when we were, you know, uh, looking to try to sell, uh, that came in kind of handy because they knew how I ran my business. That they knew that it was all by the books. That there was, you know, that we were one of those companies where everything was on a document somewhere, 
And so they didn't have to guess at what we might be doing behind the counter. And um, I said, like, we had uh, it, it actually kind of almost backfired on me. One of the other parties that I was uh, negotiating with for the store, um, and I, I mentioned this a little bit on one of the paid exclusive articles, uh, they wanted to see really deep stuff like our profit and losses and stuff. And at first I thought to myself, uh, okay, why not? You know, I'll let this guy see what what our numbers look like. But mm -hmm. then he's like, oh, what what's this happening here with your, you know, your singles? Why, why, why did you like sell, you know, six figures of singles in like two months in 2022, which is something we did. And, um, oh, you know, it, it, we thought that with the way the industry was shifting, that that was a time to go ahead and get out of that. He's like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Now I don't know how your singles look in the context of your operations. He said, do you have a normal year? So I sent in 2021. And there was a store fire. So there was a whole bunch of one-off expenses and stuff to move the store. We were closed for a month in the middle of the summer. And we spent $15,000 on a floor for the new suites. And he said, oh, this isn't going to work. What else can you send me? Well, 2020 is an exception for everybody. That, yeah. that year is useless, right? It's, and 2019. Of a normal year is like, yeah, it's been so long since that's been true. Yeah. That's so like, I didn't have a normal year to give them. We, we got stuck. I like I didn't I never resolved that around the time we were stuck. There was when uh, the discuss discussions got serious with Amazing Discovery. So, it, you know, I'll never know if we were going to get out of that tangle or not, but uh, I'm happy with the <laughs> offer we got. So there, there you go. It's, you know, at some point, if you're if you're buying, you just kind of got to make a decision. And it's OK if that decision is no, not every deal works out. Yeah, of right? course. And, and not <clears throat> excuse me, not every. Uh... Not every store is right for every buyer, just like not every store is right for every mm -hmm. customer. And that's okay, right? Just because it's not for you, that's all right. Maybe yeah. we're not for you, we're not for each other. You'll find somebody who's right for you, right? Like, it's all right. It is. Oh, man, this industry will teach you, sure enough, if, if you don't already know going in, that, man, there's stuff that's aimed at an audience that is just nothing like whatever you're interested in. And uh, it took a little bit, of, it, it was pretty quick to pick that up on the store owner side and to this day we have a hard time conveying it to the newer players because they get into this amazing hobby and they plunge right in and right into the deep end and it's just this this banquet of content especially because like tabletop is better than it's ever been well, there, there are thousands 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 of titles like on a yearly basis there's thousands and uh it takes a while for them to realize like <laughs> you know you don't have to actually do all these things like, you don't have yeah. to play general tabletop and magic and Pokemon and Lorcana and One Piece and Warhammer. And <laughs> like, you can you can just kind of do a game. You're, you're allowed to do that. <laughs> and that that takes uh, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. I think they finally get to relax a bit and say, like, OK, there, there's going to be something there tomorrow for me to play, you know. Yeah. From a customer's perspective, there's there's decades of, of lore and and products and, and just there's immense you know, catalogs of things to do. And yeah, it is, it's all right to say, well, you don't need to do everything, right? Like it's one of the, yeah. one of the harder things about, especially with something like magic is the, uh, the intimidation factor, right? Just getting into a game that's got so much history and there's so many cards and you know, mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. is, is <laughs> everybody who's been playing for 20 years is so much better than you. And you got to like find your spot where you're not going to get crushed in your ecosystem. Uh, it can be tough. Oh but, Yeah. Like 1993, right? I mean, that's that's literally, you know, 31 years ago. Like ma magic, magic is older than my wife 
Like, <laughs> like I've got, you know, like I have to accept the fact that somebody coming in new might see that and be kind of scared off <laughs> and think, oh my goodness, I can't do this. But like, especially these days with the with social media as well developed as it is, and the digital marketing as well developed as it is, and everything is integrated. Half the games out there, you've got to have a smartphone app running to play. You know, not half, but a bunch of them anyway, yeah. and. Like it has never been easier to get into something good, and it, like this is is it, like as it, despite the intimidation factor from all those years of what came before, like boy, you can you can really just just totally get into something with a group of friends or a group of you know whoever you're getting acquainted with, and just dive in. and And uh, game designers are getting better. That's the one thing I got to credit them the most on is um, I think that the big breakthrough was probably Catan, the idea that that nobody's ever eliminated and who, even the even the person who's the farthest back can actually still make a run. But uh, even with that, like as you as they move forward, they started balancing and you start having relevant things for every player to do, no matter what's happening in the game. And just the design is outstanding right now. Like it's it's really good. It's too bad that there's so much content that good stuff just drifts on by and you you might not you might never see it you know and then that brings me to a, a thing that I was, i've been thinking about for a while now uh there is so much content and it's so great and like you said we're in like the middle of a renaissance for tabletop mm. like this resurgence and partly this is due to you know covid and the <clears> pandemic <throat> the push towards people trying to have at home experiences and like that that fits right tabletop is perfect for that sort of thing but yeah. Uh, yeah. it's making this massive come back in a sense or uh, surge into the mainstream right oh yeah absolutely so like you've got the opposing force of like there's so much noise there's so many things coming at you you don't know what to really pay attention to as a consumer right you don't know which one's going to be the one you want to invest your time into because mm -hmm, the games mm -hmm. are an investment but that also increases your value as a retailer as a store owner who can be the guy yep. to be like well what are you into what do you like what kind of games do you like what kind of books do you read like i can find almost the perfect experience for you because I've, I, this is my expertise. I got you covered. Right. So in a sense, yep. being, uh, being a guide, being a, <clears throat> being somebody who can show them the way, you know, into this hobby makes the game store owner, makes the, the, well, the store, the employees, the people who are the authority, the, I don't know, a better word for it. The, the, uh, the experts, right. These, yeah, these people yeah. are the ones who can really like bring somebody into the fold. And that oh, you can't get very much experience so. at a Target or on Amazon. No, and, and like I, I accept that these other platforms exist, of course. And like even when I'm still running my store, I get it. it you know, it's very easy to pull out your phone and tap, 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 and a drone's going to bring you a game or something like that. And, you know, never mind that their workers are in miserable conditions or whatever other, uh, yeah. you know, concern that, 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 oh, we don't have to think about that. But, but even with that, even in the, in the hypothetical where there was some way to get, uh, uh, to get the product without any negative externalities, the the local game store still serves as important curation. And I think the publishers are starting to realize that like you've got to exert some amount of downstream control so that there can be a help. How do I phrase this? If your game's irrelevant in person, your game is going to fizzle out. And it doesn't have to be a trading card game or a tabletop minis or something like that for that to be the case. It can be just a board game. If if it, if it is irrelevant 
to the place that a person physically wants to play the game, then it's going to fizzle out and no matter what you do. So I, I think uh, you're starting it. Now, not every, not every publisher has the kind of juice that like Asmodee has and can say, hey, you know, we're sold distribution. We're going to, you know, you're going to have limitations on what channels you can move through and whatever. And I get that, like, you know, garage publisher, I get that you can't do very much, but, you know, uh, put something together and, and hope that it catches in the market. And that, and that uh, at, at, like, I, I respect what they're trying to do. But uh, you, uh, companies have figured out that you've got to have some kind of control over the end of the channel. Otherwise, the channel starts to kind of rot from the inside and then you can't keep your products going. You can't keep like uh, I, this was something uh, that was actually still current when I was in law school uh, was the vert with a what they call um, uh, vertical uh, restraint of trade. The case, uh, the Legan case, which is the one that is, is controlling now, was going through the courts and went to the Supreme Court in, I want to say, 2006 season. And that was where they said, no, you can control vertically uh, your own dealer network in a niche industry. That was the way they put it in order to maintain the health of that industry and have it not be a restraint of trade. That was the, the argument against it. It was being held against companies like Apple and Nintendo and Ping, which makes golf clubs and, and a couple of other things. And we, uh, because I was in law school at the time, they mostly showed us uh, case facts having to do with Ping because everybody in, in law school knows what a golf club is. Not all of them understand. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's going on in the in the world of like super niche, uh, you know, entertainment products. But uh, at the time, they had their dot system where you could, you would have a certain type of set of clubs that were exactly right for a person of your measurement and swing type and so forth, dimensions, and only a ping dealer could sell it. And if you try, if you tried to uh, resell it, they'd come down on you. All sorts of the things you couldn't get any kind of distribution of it unless you agreed to sell it using their minimum pricing and their minimum. Uh, uh, and you couldn't sell it for resale and all that stuff. And so that, and uh, so now you're seeing the evolution of what 17 years, something like of that in, in across industries. And it's everywhere now, uh, you know, no matter what you go to buy, there might be restrictions on, uh, on what you can, on how, how it can be sold through the channel. You want to get a portion on 11 right now. I, I, I guarantee you, you can't just make a phone call and get one at wholesale. It ain't happening. Like, you know, they, they've, they've got control over that channel. And now, at the very top, you have companies like Games Workshop. They uh, uh, in, in very top of our industry, I should say. You should have com you have companies like Games Workshop, relatively tight control. I'm going to go ahead and mute the telephone call coming in. At the top of our industry, <laughs> you have top, very tight control. As midday, pretty tight control. Wizards of the Coast, kind of, because to get distribution, you got to be brick and mortar. You can't be running an online only store uh, to get distribution on on Magic and Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Pokemon doesn't do it for the reason of I still don't know. Like, come on, guy. Like, what, whatever. I mean, Pokemon is the most high, best selling IP in human history, surpassing Christianity, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember where it was. I read that. It's more than Star Wars and Batman put together. It's just unbelievable, right? But uh, so they can kind of do what they want. But, um, at the same time, if, if there's no control, then it's a free-for-all. It's it's guys selling out of the trunks of their cars. And then there can't be a healthy game store ecosystem. Because, because what, what you know, who doesn't matter how, how uh, community-minded you are. Um, if, if, if you can get the thing for, for 20 cents on the dollar, 
you're probably just gonna get it for 20 cents on the dollar like i get that you know uh, yeah. it, it's yeah i got a family to feed too i'm there i'm with you so the the, the better the better i think the publishers understand what's going to happen with their product downstream i think the healthier everybody's going to be and the longer that's going to sustain itself and and still be healthy at the at, and and in you can stay keep stuff in print keep keep it evergreen keep it going because otherwise you end up with something like rivet wars that comes through and is gone or firestorm armada that comes through and it's gone or stuff like i mean good i i would just have to like look at my pre-order lists from like 2016 and probably 90 percent of that stuff doesn't exist anymore right in the industry yeah that's one of the more interesting things about this industry is the fact that like you know magic is almost always universally such a giant portion of every game store's overall <laughs> revenue right like it's pretty much guaranteed to be a massive chunk and the same oh, with yeah yeah same with the rest of the big games like tcg they're gonna be a massive category games workshop that's probably mm -hmm. gonna be your, your breadwinner for you know if you do minis if you do war games you're probably doing gw because you're kind of crazy if you don't right yeah how can so, you not right warhammer is such is so critical like you have to make the commitment to warhammer if you're going to do tabletop minis at all it's and it, and it's doing amazing now right like it's it's it is it is fly it is as fast as they can produce it selling through like who would have thought in the wake of all this mess of the last three years you would have such a healthy market component right and and now one piece is taking off in the tcg space and they seem to which is really weird because coming from bandai if you had told me at the beginning of the year that it was going to be a hit i would have been like eh, get out of here like i get that it's like i like one piece so don't, don't get me popular. wrong like, i get that it's popular but I'm like, come on, Bandai releases stuff into the marketplace and just lets it get massacred, you know. But not this time. They're 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 more or less keeping it, uh, you know, on, on a bit of a short leash. And now we have Lorcana that was the biggest mess on the planet for most of the summer and fall, and now it's fine, I guess. I I don't know. I don't know where Lorcana is. I I, I when be when uh, Fl right when Floodboard came in, it slowed down so far so hard so fast and we're sitting there just repricing it down every couple of days to try to be like okay well you know if this is what the market is saying then you know far be it from us to object right if we say that we're market price higher we have to be market like, no the market is saying this <laughs> don't yeah, have yeah. me for the market they're like, oh no, you should be market price when it's good for us, and 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 not when yeah. it isn't. And, okay, yeah, whatever, get out of here with this nonsense, yeah. right? And we had we had so much fun with that over over this this whole summer and everything. Oh my god! But like, I'm glad to see another trading card game have a little bit of traction. Like, it's nice to not be dependent on. Assuming I was still running a store, depending on Magic and Pokemon. Uh, that's what it was uh, beginning of 2023. As soon as we sold off the video games, that's all we had left. It was Magic and Pokemon. There was nothing else in the store. And then uh, then One Piece came along and Lorcana came along. And to get Lorcana, you had to be in another category that was not a collectibles category. And I think that's Ravensburger kind of doing, flexing a little bit of their um, distribution muscle. Uh, I don't know how much of this is, how well known this is. It didn't seem like it got talked about very much, but their application um you could be in trading card games right but then you had to be in either uh tabletop minis or board games or like classic games like chess or whatever or puzzles of course because Ravensburg is a puzzle company right and so you had to be in one of those subcategories or role-playing games that was the other one so we're looking around and we're like okay well we're not in comics so we don't have to worry about that but like our video games don't mean anything toys don't mean anything like they're specifically trying to make Lorcana be something for LGS, local game stores, not 
collectibles, not resale shops, whatever you want. And so I added D and D back in. I just, I called this driver. I'm like, here's $5,000. Give me everything D and D and like five of it, like whatever. <laughs> and they did. They were happy. Like what you're ordering okay. D and D from us and not from Amazon. We're thrilled. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they said, and, and that was uh, what we applied for Lorcana with and they approved it. So it was really weird that that was kind of the approach they took, but I, I appreciate them not just like letting anybody do it. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's a really interesting kind of. <laughs> to me, it's a really interesting point because it's like uh, that. That kind of sounds like tide selling, which is generally frowned upon in other industries, and yeah, could be quite problematic. But in this case, it's like, well, you, yeah, not exactly, because they're not saying, well, you got to carry Ravensburger puzzles and you got to do all these. It's, like, it's kind of you know, it'd be nice if you sold some of other stuff, but we'll give you some leeway and at least just just sell something in the industry. Just don't be, you know, like you said. Uh, the backpack dealers and that that sort of thing. Like we have some skin in the game. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some, uh, they did. They didn't want little antique shops it. full of full of Disney figures and stuff being the ones applying yeah. for it. They wanted to be in. And I, I you know, I kind of like the. I kind of like the approach. Like you said, tight selling is a problem. It's 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 a problem legally in in some states and some countries and so forth. And so, but they didn't tell us exactly what they wanted, but they kind of yeah. had a notion of what they wanted to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but it's it's good to see you know the growth. Like again, the the fact that it's not just magic, magic and Pokemon anymore. There are other options. There's other viable businesses that you can build your 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 game store off of. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I did an interview just a few weeks ago, and now I'm blanking on it. And unfortunately, because that'll feel really bad. But uh, I really want to look up the details. But the guy was building a a a, a business. Buying and selling flesh and blood. That was it. It was the, uh, the mm, flesh and blood yeah, yeah. Site. I watched that episode. Yeah, that was actually super interesting. It, it, yeah, and it, I so I found him. He was having a conversation inside of the Facebook group for for game store owners. He was talking about how he wanted yeah. to open a store. He yeah. built up links in the description. Online. Make sure you like and subscribe. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like I'll, I'll the link into, into all of that, so you can go find that if you want to. But yeah, he had a really yeah. interesting origin story. But he built this like great. He essentially built himself a job. Right. He was doing one hundred forty thousand a year. In just yeah. flesh and blood singles, which is kind of nuts, right? That's, that's that's a pretty yeah. great way to, to start things off. And uh, yeah, like it's not just MTG anymore. It's not just the the big 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 three, right? Their things mm -hmm. are expanding, but for a long time that wasn't the case, right? It was either you you could you could basically build a business off of magic for the most part. Right? Yeah, owners I've had on the podcast who did just that. And depending on where you are, that might still be kind of mathematically correct or correct-ish to do. Uh, one of the things I've been kind of uh, uh, teaching on, 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 on the blog and so forth is uh, if you've got your... Who's trying to call me? Okay, it's not coming up on my screen, so I can't, I can't just turn it off. So one of the things I've been trying to teach is that you got to understand in your local market what it means to a customer's psychology. If you're in a massive metropolitan area and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to carry Warhammer, Okay, well, is there already a really amazing store there that carries all of Warhammer that everybody loves? Because maybe you don't need to do that if there is. And, and what ended up happening that kind of made, prompted me to kind of move away from general tabletop, from board games and such, it wasn't because I hated the board games. I, that was what I started the store wanting to carry. It's because in my metro, there were amazing board game stores, and they had the clientele they had the focus they were tier one some uh somebody who wanted to buy what they had assuming they weren't just going to do tap tap 
drone send me the game, uh, yeah. they would go to those stores first. And I said to myself, okay, so if I can dominate this space and be tier one, I can have this category. And I looked at it, I'm like, well, I can do that for video games. I can do that for magic. I can kind of do that for other card games. And I looked and I said, I don't think I can like I at the time this was we're we're rewinding to like the 2018 2019 time frame I'm like I don't have it for board games so I can decide to build it now or I can just kind of let it go and let them have it and my decision was to let them have it but that might it might not have been correct it's hard to say uh of course the pandemic happened and whatever like yeah. who, who knows what crosses 2020 it's like this great wall of like who knows what decision would have been you know would should have gone differently whereas if you're in a somewhat more rural area. I don't want to say rural because you can just be in like a mid-major metro and this is still okay. You can spread the welcome out of everything and it works. And it really works. And you don't have to, you don't have to worry about the person in town being like, oh, I would never go to that store because there's a store over here that is 100% the game I want to play. And I never have to share my clubhouse if I go there. But the the bigger the place, the more focused the stores kind of need to be to, 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 to make that work. And that's uh, uh, a few miles from my old store. Uh, they're about to open a Mox boarding house. That's a huge spread, but it's also a restaurant. And that's a big part of their value equation. It's the, the Mox boarding house, of course, for those listening in who don't know, it's Card Kingdom's retail uh, 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 offering. It's a giant palace of, of everything tabletop. And they'll serve you, serve you lunch and dinner while you're there, uh, while you're there playing. It's really impressive. I went to their to their one in Bellevue, Washington, and it's a sight to behold. So knowing that it's coming to, to Metro Phoenix is pretty pretty great too. As soon as that was announced, I said to myself, oh, I better get my store ready to make sure that I can still do what I do and not be affected by them. I didn't really have to worry because collect they don't do collectibles as much. Um, but uh, I think there's there's a lot of stores in town that are going to kind of have a rude awakening when Mox uh, opens those doors and they're going to say, oh, we're everything Mox is except less. <laughs> and players are going to not really want to want to have less you know i don't know it's hard to say yeah man that's that's a tough place to be right because if the the big player comes into your town and they're going to do everything that you do but just a little bit better or maybe a lot better mm -hmm. in some cases, and they own the land underneath it compete in a different way yeah yeah it's and they're coming in strong they're they own the land underneath it they so mock shows up they've got all the kind of money to put behind and it's, it's not just them it's going to be somebody else next and it's going to be somebody else next so anytime you're in a market you got to say to yourself uh, all right i'm going to run my operations what do i do if somebody comes in doing exactly what i do except better capitalized well you got to be ready to survive that and there's there's there are things you can do and i guess that that ties right back into one of the original topics you'd had is how do you get your store in a good position to sell and that's you got to eliminate all the debt you got to make sure you don't owe anybody a dime if you can help it. I mean, sure, you got distributor terms, but that stuff gets paid off, you know, in a few days, whatever. That's not that's not debt debt. You got to uh, yeah. you got to pay everything off. You got to get your costs wrangled down and under control. And um, you uh, I like to say is uh, a big part of the, the equation is having your store be rugged. Like uh, getting it set up so that you don't have to throw a lot of labor at every little problem that comes up. And that's that's different for everybody. So some of it means, hey, you know, I've just got to put everything behind the counter. I'm sacrificing some sales, but shoplifting goes to zero. Some of it is, hey, I've got to put some money into some better displays because the ones I've got are getting obliterated 
by uh, people coming through day in and day out. And that and chairs and tables are a good example of even yeah. e an even better example of that. You've, uh, uh, in fact, some of the people you've talked to have talked about upgrading their game rooms. And uh, I've seen in some of the episodes kind of a recurring theme is, oh, we're looking for a way to make it nicer and make it more premium, premium, literally for WPN <laughs> premium, you know, and uh, it takes a little bit of resources, but you know, there's, you know, buy once, cry once, just, just get it done, get yourself situated. <laughs> Right, so that you can operate without depending, absolutely depending on every day being a record-breaking sales day. Because as as soon as you're just hurting for the next person to come in the door, um, you got, <laughs> I just, you got, you're in a rough situation. This happened once. So back when uh, when I was running my uh, my uh, uh, first store, I had a guy who ran another store came in, and uh, he saw that we were kind of suffering for it, and he said, "Look, uh, you need to change the way you're thinking." And kind of remember that you're in the entertainment business and kind of remember that the person who walks in the door doesn't know what your situation is. He said, because right now I've seen how you talk to the last few people who came in while he was visiting. And he had and he took his wallet out of his pocket and he said, You see this walking in the door. And that's all you're paying attention to. And that this the vision of that wallet kind of stuck with me. And I'm like, Yeah, you got me. That, that kind of is what I what I was seeing. He said, No, no. Uh, he said, Forevermore, you can remember this. Nobody who walks in that door knows anything about you. Like, and, and in today's turn of phrase, we would say, I'm not the main character for them. They're the main character. Mm -hmm. I'm just the NPC. I have wares if they have coin, right? So we they come in the door and, and they're looking for something that's going to delight them or they're looking for something that they can put on their mental wish list or even something they can buy right then. Their life is happy. After all, they're going shopping for games. And uh, that really, really helped. Over all the years of like, oh my goodness, there's some other store, they're spreading rumors about us, they're being jerks. And we just gotta remember, I would tell the staff, just don't just don't think about it. The person who's coming in the door doesn't know any of that. And oh, what if they do come in and they do know something about that? Well, just don't worry about it. Call call for me, I'll come and dismiss them, whatever. But the person coming in the door is probably just somebody who's looking for something fun. Just that. And you got if you can if you can stay in that mindset and just kind of kind of let the rest roll off your back you know you'll be okay even against that harsh competition or what you know if it's not somebody with a lot of money it's somebody who's really loud who's got a store that's not too far away and they've got they've got all the town loudmouths there you know talking about how good they are and how awful your store or every other store is or whatever we've seen this in every community there's always yeah. someone trying to stir the pot or whatever have you and it, it never matters it should it it even when you think it should matter, it never matters. Uh, uh, a store in Metro Phoenix got caught buying stolen collections. We we re we found out that they had uh, power from one of the local judges, and literally nothing happened to them. Zero consequences. We thought, oh man, the players will never go back there. The players, you know, like there will be, they'll have an empty store. They're going to totally go out of it. Nope, it didn't matter. What ended up happening was everybody that banned somewhere else just went to play there. <laughs> It's like there's a let them have them, I guess. Yeah, like capitalism found a way, I guess. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, so it's it's one of those where if you just focus on what your store is doing and what you can control, uh, you don't have to worry that much about what the store down the street is doing if you're doing it well. If you're doing it well enough, you know, right? Yeah, and I think getting a trying to get to a place where you're not operating out of desperation. Is a, a good aspirational yeah. goal. You should try to get to that point where you're you're not hurting. Where like you know you could have a rough rough week, 
and you're still not sweating bullets, right? Like if you can get to that place, then you will have a much easier time staying there. It's yeah. kind of one of those yeah. weird rules of the world, right? Like if the, the ones who have get more and the ones who ha- don't have anything, they get less, unfortunately. And oh, it's, for real. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a weird distribution in the, uh, yeah. the way the world works. And I've seen it myself is that if you come at it, <clears throat> like when I'm talking to somebody, I'm, oh man, I'm dying over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh my goodness. You need some water or something? <laughs> no, it's just a, just a cough, just a, just a bit of a cold. But yeah, when, if I'm having a conversation with a store and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going over things and I'm talking marketing and I'm, I'm going from a, you know, I'm, I'm explaining, okay, this is what we can do. This is how, uh, where, where you're store is currently situated at here's some really cool stuff that you could be doing right like here's some of the things that you you aren't doing right now that could be really helpful for you mm-hmm. if you go into that and be like i want i want money i want people to work with me i really want them to to take me on and i want to be like a, a partner in this relationship that comes through right that that people are mm-hmm. like oh okay and i'm now i'm the pushy car salesman right like i don't necessarily want to sell you a car i want you to find the solution you need yeah, absolutely. No, and, but, that way. I'm gonna. I'm not here to sell you a game. I want you to find the right experience. I want you to have fun, whatever that happens to look like. And if that means that that's not today, that's not a thing. I, just, I have. Yeah, to I got a frozen today. feed there. Okay, I got you. You're right. back. You're back. Okay. Yeah. But if that means that you know, like, I don't have what you need right now, that's okay. Maybe I will next time. Maybe some. You know, I can figure bring something in later. Maybe there's something else that we can work out. Like there are other ways of of providing value to somebody other than immediately getting a transaction from them and like absolutely, more long term actually makes the long term survivability of your business of your store of you as a person more likely than thinking in the short term oh yeah and in, in, in ter- yeah cuz in terms of marketing you know like especially uh and i i watched uh, in some of the episodes you talk about kind of the recommendations for how to develop the marketing for a store and stuff like that. And that, that was, <laughs> that was always a perpetual weak point for me. So I, I would uh, gobble that up and try to find ways to work that into the next you know push I was going to make, because at the end of the day, your success is their success. Well, their success is your success. Yeah. However you want to put that. Like, yeah. And, and uh, I think in the modern era, uh, everybody wants to think that, oh, business to business is just somebody looking to see if they can uh, attach onto my business for some extra money. And it's, if they're making you more money, then that's not the way that's, that's not the way that is. It's, it's much more beneficial and much healthier than that. Yeah. That's my, my first goal. Whenever I start working with somebody is to tell like, okay, how can I get you an ROI immediately so that you feel good. You're getting, you know, your you feel like, okay, I'm getting a return. I'm seeing more customers coming through the door. That feels great. I want to be able to have this person continue to do this for me forever, right? Like this would be great because that's perfect yeah, for me. Yeah. That's the exact relationship, the situation that I want. I want you to be as happy as possible and loving it and being happy to pay me for the rest of time if possible, right? Like that. that's the ideal yeah. situation. I'm not in yeah, it for the short term, right? It, exactly. And if, 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 uh, if the kind of stuff that you're developing uh, is is creating those arrivals because that's as a game store owner that's the that's the ultimate job is to make it rain people talk about oh what's your job let's well, do this to this to this task 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 no no no. You, you own the business your job is to make it rain your your job is to talk to who you have to talk to to find the methods you need to find in order to get the human beings to come to you and and transact with you and and become a part of of what you're building that that that's what you got to do and and um you're so on the marketing side of it, the education, I, I hope that you're, you know, getting through these stores that 
a lot of whom could really use the assistance. And uh, in terms of uh, uh, administrative kind of chops and and uh, and uh, the the dry fundamentals, I would like to invite everyone to read my extremely boring and <laughs> and extremely drawn out weblog LGS Net Income. It is a Substack, lgsdeadincome.substack.com. Uh, there are free articles. There are uh, paid exclusive articles. And it all is in the effort of teaching how to analyze what's going on in a game store and how you can use the the, the administrative fundamentals to, uh, to make more money. Literally in the name of the blog is what we're after is what can we do to increase the net income to the store? And so I would, lo I would love to get anybody who's interested, please... Uh, uh, come on in and, and give it a read, and I will also link Manaverse from there so that they can get to you for sure. I, absolutely, I, I highly recommend it. I am a, a big fan. It's one of the one of the connection points that uh, I've been following you since you you launched the newsletter. I, I was like, oh, perfect, because I always felt like, from my perspective as the marketing side of things, I can only do so much. I can drive all the people to your store, but if you don't have a a good store experience if you can mm -hmm. deliver right if your operation doesn't work well and the person comes away unhappy then all the marketing in the world is not going to help you so yeah yep. i felt i always felt like oh someone's got the operation side because that's the thing that like I, I felt like gary does it well right and his book's great i like his blog i like yep. the stuff that he puts out there but the nitty-gritty crunchy parts i feel like that was something that maybe isn't being covered at the moment but now it is so if you're hey. interested in that sort of operational stuff you gotta like and you yeah. should be right Get your numbers you right, bring and then everything else kind of takes care of itself. Yeah, it, it, it's you got to right be able way. to convert. They, people talk about, oh, you know, we gotta we gotta convert our arrivals into sales. And um, if you're thinking of it in a clinical sense like that, they they, they kind of see through uh, that a little bit, and you might get a little bit of resistance. But if you're creating a place that people love to come and be entertained and be delighted, and uh, that marketing is getting them to show up, and then once they get there, they look around and say, "Wow." my goodness look at what you have you have all these things i love what of these things i ha that you have can i get right now it, like it it's uh i like to talk about our industry as being like the ultimate soft sell industry because it is it is a, a the the is the the more you can finesse the softness of your cell the easier it is to to, to have it move through and, and succeed and, and to actually have have business come back and be happy with you yeah, it's it's funny. It's one of those paradoxes, right? The more that you avoid actually trying to get money out of the person, the more likely they will want to give you their money. In a very mm -hmm. roundabout mm -hmm. way, like you just just make sure that they're happy, that you've got like the right thing in the right place at the right time for them, and don't stress so much about trying to like close that deal or close that sale and make them, mm -hmm. you know, get that transaction. And you are far more likely to have this person come back again and again and again and want to continue spending money with you. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just absolutely that that was a the, one of the few lessons that really worked with staff, especially senior staff who had been there for a while. They knew when we were having a slow day and they would start stressing it and be like, what are we going to do about the slow day? The last few people in have just looked right through us. And I'm like, don't worry about the slow day. Just just these things happen. It's some days you just nobody shows up. It is what it is. Or or, or whoever shows up just just isn't into it. Just remember what we have here is like an entire building full of stuff they love or, or that they might love, or they wouldn't have shown up if they didn't think it might be, you know? And yeah. Uh, it, yeah so like it, they, it, that circles right back, back to the whole, like, they don't know your situation. So don't worry about it. Like worry about their situation. They just walked into a game store. They're ready to do something that's going to make them happy. What do you do about that? You know? And, and, and that, that's when, that's when you hope to kind of pick up and, and make that work.
Yeah. I think uh, remembering that you sell good times, friendship, fellowship, you know, educational experiences, like that, that's what's the, that's the sale. That's the service that you're providing. And keeping that mm -hmm. in context will make it a lot easier to, to, to do the day-to-day -day kind of stuff and, and keep pushing forward even when the days are slow and things are, aren't going quite the way that you want them to. But, uh, yeah, I feel like I could continue having this conversation on for probably another couple of hours, but uh, I'm going to need to get my kiddos to bed soon. So I'm going to have to cut this a little bit shorter than I would prefer, but I would, oh, actually, yeah, no uh, worries. I would love to have you back on for the, onto the podcast at some point, if you'd be interested in discussing further topics, I'd love to. Absolutely. Have, uh, chat again I, I would be time. delighted, please. Yeah. Let's, let's definitely do that. Awesome. So before we say goodbye, uh, one last question was basically, I, I always end up uh, asking uh, the, the theme of the podcast is success, right? It's always, I'm sure you've heard this before. It's always about, uh, you know, trying to achieve some, some sort of success, reaching a goal. But success is a nebulous term, means different things to different people. What is your definition of success at this stage in your life now that uh, you have sold Desert Sky Games? Oh man, at this stage, because I'm I'm definitely feeling success now. So how do I put that into words? How do I articulate it? And I think the, the best thing about it is every day I wake up and it's like, man, I could do anything today. But like it could it, within a certain, you know, I've got some responsibilities, but like I don't even know what's gonna happen next and I could do whatever. And that's I remembered when I was working for government, I would wake up some days and like, it was a good job. There's, I can't really complain about it. I worked with some really good people, but there were days where I woke up and I'm like, man, I would rather do anything but this. And then even in the time that I was running my own store, my own business, calling the shots as it were, right? They, like I'm the boss. In theory, in theory, I answer to no one. In reality, I answer to the entire marketplace. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, oh, you know, um, I would really rather do anything else but run my store today. Fortunately, that didn't happen that often. Like most days I was like, all right, what can I do to advance the project? We used to call it that. Like, what can I do to get the project going? And uh, now success is when you wake up every day and man, you've got every option in the world that you might get to work on or, or do, or even just do nothing at all that day because it's so hard to get that, especially the older you get, you have fewer and fewer opportunities. So to, to me, success is kind of, just being able to choose what you're going to put your attention on next. I like it. That's a really, <laughs> that's very aspirational for myself. So I like that as a, a potential dream for the future. I wish it for you and, and for everybody else who's slugging away and at, at, at this, uh, at this grinding wheel and, you know, success is there. It's there. It, it can be attained. It takes some work to get there, but uh, I, I believe in you and you can believe in yourself and you can do it. Love it. That's a great place to end the, uh, in the podcast. And so real quick, give people a direction where to go plug your sub stack again, you know, okay. reminder CTA stuff at the end, and then yeah. we'll say goodbye. I would uh, love to invite you to read uh, the weblog I've been writing, lgsnetincome.substack.com. And uh, that's that's where uh, I've been professionally writing my entire career. So that's where I'm doing my writing now. It's all about the industry and everything about operating a store and having operated a store, all that good stuff. Uh, if you're in the uh, if you're in Arizona at all, I should say, uh, please pay a visit to uh, Amazing Discoveries as they uh, are the <laughs> the uh, business that bought me out and, and uh, they are operating uh, five locations for your convenience. Um, and just uh, yeah, just I. I uh, 
to keep tuning into the Maniverse podcast because uh, every episode, you know, is, uh, is is another chance to to see what somebody's doing who who you haven't seen yet. Awesome. Well, we'll see everybody again in the next episode of the Maniverse podcast. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Tom. I really appreciate you, buddy. All right. That is it for today's episode of the Maniverse podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you stay up to date whenever we upload. And if you like what you hear, I hope you do. We'd also appreciate a quick five-star review on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to today's show. I'm Tom Traplin, and I've been your host. And thanks again to Michael Barr for coming on to the episode and sharing his wisdom with us. I will talk to you again in the next episode of the Maniverse podcast. Thank you.